213 Things About Me, a podcast about thinking, living and dying, from an autistic point of view. Trigger warning. This podcast contains opinions which might cause discomfort in some people. The ingredients may cause allergic responses in the brains of some listeners. Episode 2. Boat Dreams. So, where did Rose live? Well... When these events took place, she lived on a boat. Sounds romantic, living on a boat. It isn't. This wasn't, of course, the only place she had lived. It was just the latest in a series of shacks and dossing places. She had, at one time or another, lived in a shipping container, a walk-in wardrobe and under a staircase. Like Harry Potter, but without the magic or the redemption of turning out to be the most powerful wizard in the world. But there is another similarity. She was part of another race of humans, a kind of offshoot of humanity with, as far as normal people are concerned, an incomprehensible way of interpreting the world. So different from theirs, and yet, inconveniently, these people, and I include myself among them, look the same as everyone else. 21. I have not lived in legal residential housing without assistance in the entirety of my adult life. I did once manage to live in a closet by myself for a year and then I lived in a storage container until it got too cold. You see, the thing that people see as smart in me is the thing that makes them all assume I want to be living in a cupboard. A friend found it for me, a literal hole in the wall, wide enough for two sleeping bags and tall enough to sit up in. Strange place for her to find me to live. Not like where she or her friends lived. But it was cheap, so there was that. People seem to think that I'm a a free spirit following her passion. That I'm honest on purpose and I say what is supposed to be left unsaid because I'm brave. (laughs) I'm not brave. I'm stupid. The boat's called August Breeze. It has no running water and the electric is provided by a cable scooted across the pontoon from an adjacent building. It's parked in amongst a row of equally decrepit vessels in what amounts to a floating shantytown. Waste is jettisoned directly into the tidal water from the head, so there is often the delightful view of human turds floating past the portholes. 22. When I have control over my living space, I know where most everything is, down to the radius of a few inches. Outsiders live there. I'm told the usual regulations for renting out places to live, you know, health and safety and all that, don't apply to boats because they are governed by marine law. I've got no idea if this is true or not. Certainly, the owners paid no attention to any of that stuff. There are boats on the water and boats off the water on wooden sleepers. Some of these have people living in them as well. It's a community, and I use that word advisedly, of outsiders and disenfranchised people. They kind of hold together in that acerbic and disingenuous way people on the edge of survival always do. Despised by the caring classes and exploited by the entrepreneurial ones. Rose never had a proper home and never would. It was one of the realisations which occurred to her, along with others. When I was 13, I figured that by the time I was 36... I would have reached my dream, which wasn't an extravagant one. It was to have a modest house 
with a car, 2.5 kids, a dog, a cat, and enough money that the bills were paid. The refrigerator had food in it and I could buy a book whenever I wanted. I'm 36 now and it turned out that my dream was only that. It was just a dream. But the fact is, I would always be alone. I'd never have anything resembling a career. I'd never get married or have children. So I don't feel that I have any kind of life that's worth living. That's why I'm here now. A dead woman talking. I'd never be a musician, a teacher, a mother or a wife. I'd just always be the witch at the end of the lane. That eccentric, weird old lady living in crappy housing who chose a different kind of life. But I didn't choose anything any more than anyone else. Life's not fair, I hear you say. And you're correct. But it could be, right? I mean, we have the power to make life at least fairer. Covid has shown us that at least, surely. Rose was diagnosed with Asperger's in March and ended her own life by October of the same year. It was a surprise to me, and like most surprises, it wasn't a good one. I expect you want to know what happened and how. If I was listening, I'd want to know the facts first and the speculation after that. But mostly, I would want to know why. I asked her, and she replied. Life was the most stressful experience I've ever had. Being dead, on the other hand, that's the perfect state for me. Reduced to the component parts of my being. Tiny, tiny, tiny atomic particles zooming around the universe for all time. It's ideal. I didn't really get life and I didn't know why. Other people just seem to manage. They talk at social gatherings. They go shopping and buy underwear, take showers, get dressed, go to work and all without any real issues. But not me. Eventually, I figured out why I was having these problems, but by then it was too late. Too late for you, but not perhaps for others. 23. I feel that the importance of answering a direct question honestly is greater than dignity or diplomacy. 24. I don't really know what dignity and diplomacy are. 25. I don't believe or understand... And in fact, I'm sometimes physically repulsed when people speak in emotional, spiritual or artistic terms. What about my question? Look, I don't have an answer. And anyway, you were speculating, not questioning. There is no answer apart from it's possible, but not probable. Everybody dies. I can't tell you anything about death that you won't find out for yourself. But I can tell you about E.T. What? You mentioned E.T. And I was listening. Let me tell you about E.T. 
The creature's face was inspired by the faces of Carl Sandburg, Albert Einstein and Ernest Hemingway. Four E.T. heads were made for filming, one as an animatronic and the other three for facial expressions, as well as a costume. Two dwarves, Tamara DeTrue and Pat Billen, as well as 12-year-old Matthew Demerit, who was born without legs, took turns wearing the costume. The finished creature was created in three months at the cost of $1.5 million. Spielberg declared it was something only a mother could love. I was something only a mother could love. I was E.T., a puppet, a robot in a world of animals. Only I didn't know that I was a robot. Interesting. Are you like some sort of human Wikipedia? That is the thing. I'm a repository of strange knowledge. I know all the species of native songbirds in West Sussex and all the names listed in the 1986 phone book for Eastbourne, beginning with the letter P. They don't have telephone directories anymore, but I found some in a charity shop. Fancy sending everyone's name and address from 1986 to a charity shop. Who would buy that? Well, me, actually. I can also name all the parts of a two-stroke engine in German. Did you know that needle crank bearing is Nadelager? Rod bolt is Stangenschrauber? Clutch spring is Kupplungsfeder? And spark plug is Zündketze? Why did you decide to learn that? Is it useful? I was reading Goethe and decided I should learn German to better understand him. Then I found a diagram of a two-stroke engine and became obsessed with it. You know how it is. I suppose I do. You are right, though. None of this knowledge is of any use in and of itself. But then I don't really hold with the idea that you learn things for their utility. You just learn things because they're things. And that's exciting. 26. When I start doing something, I only do that one thing anywhere from hours to months. 27. There is no incentive that will convince me to work. I'm either obsessed or I'm not. 28. I can learn anything I set my mind to, to an impressive degree in a short amount of time, because I am so focused. Now... You might find this aspect of being ND helpful. The ability to stay indoors for ages, focused on something to the exclusion of all else. Learning a new skill, or practising an existing one. You won't have the degree of concentration Rose can bring to a subject, but at least you'll be able to choose with more discrimination than she could. Special interests kind of choose themselves in an odd subconscious way. But you, you could choose anything. If you have children and they are experts in special interests, why not dig deep into theirs? But do more than just a Google search. The internet is a fantastic resource for finding things out. If you use it to get beyond the instant and usually fake results and adverts for dating apps and mindfulness and how to live like a tree training, then you can find stuff out. There you are, a helpful tip. Find something out you didn't know before. I mean, they closed all the bookshops, but left open all the booze shops, because they're essential, and books are just trouble. At least, until you need to find one to figure out how to make more beer. By clinical measures, I'm a savant. 
supposedly a genius on paper, but every time I've had to be responsible for myself, I end up homeless. And I don't think I'm a genius. Well, okay, not often. I'm a mediocre musician, and other than that, I can't do much of anything. I don't process things with any kind of supernatural virtuosity, nor do I have otherworldly recall. I can't express or or actualise my thoughts or ideas with laser-sharp accuracy or faithfulness. I mean, really, what else makes a genius? I definitely lack any of those qualities. I do look at my family, my friends, the environment I emerge from, and it's true. At times, I think extremely highly of myself. I also have plenty of moments where I feel like if I have any talent or gifts at all, they are completely wasted in my person as I am not intelligent enough or visionary enough to know how to use them or to let them be used for the benefit of anyone, even myself. Most often, it's a matter of indifference. Each of us is only and exactly what we can be. There is no alternate universe where something else could have happened. I'm generally of the mind that the very creation of the universe set the world in motion and that decision and will is a chemical illusion. Everything that happened before this moment is carved into the stone of what has passed, which is the basis for the future. Whether we resist it or repeat it. At the same time as believing this, she also believed the opposite. I can do the same, hold two opposing and contradictory beliefs in my head at the same time, and believe with complete faith in both of them, while simultaneously knowing that both ideas are invalid. I describe the inside of my mind as like two cats fighting in a sack. Having somewhere to live in a lockdown is crucial. What happens to all those without shelter? There's really been no news or coverage about this, and I still see tents in bus shelters and people on the street. Our world is stuffed with disposable people. That is, people considered by dint of their circumstances to be less than worthy, or perhaps less important than others, who merely through a fortunate birth have opportunity. If Rose had been born to privilege, I have absolutely no doubt she would be alive today. She wasn't and isn't. And that's kind of my point about a fairer world, because her loss was also society's loss. A talented and brilliant young woman, which she was in spite of her assertions to the contrary. One wonders how many other people like her slipped through the cracks. People that, given a chance, could make a great positive contribution to our world. Heaven knows we need the help. Clearly. I feel like I had a childhood that prevented me from being able to live up to my potential, that would have made it possible for me to contribute to the world the way I want to. I know that probably sounds convoluted, but it's the most precise way I know how to say it. I wish that I had had more so that I could give as much as I know I could. I wish that I had known what good things an engineer could do, or an economist. I wish that I hadn't only heard derisive things about doctors and lawyers. I shit you not, 
I was 30 before I knew an engineer was something other than the guy that drives a train. I knew there was something else, something I was missing, but I was too embarrassed to ask. I just knew it was like important and smart. It's a horrible irony, but I don't know that I would have this desperation to be successful, this sorrow at not being able to live up to my full potential if it weren't for the fact that I love my family so much. And it's really hard for me to feel that if I could have only exploited every iota of my smarts, my tenacity, my passion, that I could give back to the world. I could devise clean water systems for children in the third world if I'd only been an engineer. I could sway politicians with economic knowledge to improve public education. I could be a judge or I could be a lawyer protecting non-violent criminals from the prison systems or defending civil liberties. But here's one thing I do understand. If you're always down and out, you always know who loves you. If you're always broke, weak, useless and ugly, if someone deigns to love you, it really does seem more reliable though it's perhaps not as convenient as material wealth. And yet, somehow, it feels more solid. The convenience of material wealth. It's something hypothetical to almost everyone. Except, of course, those people who run countries and make the policies and laws that we have to live by. Rules are important. It's how we manage to get by. And I suppose what's amazing about humans is not so much that we have wars and fight and demean each other with alarming regularity, but that we manage, by and large, to live together in these massive ant-like colonies pretty much peacefully, on the whole. As long as there's structure and rules we mostly agree on, then we can function as a society and our DNA is safe. And that's the thing. The entire edifice of our civilization is built around the unthinking need of our DNA to replicate. Every single thing, every Picasso painting or fighter jet or bicycle or set of heated hair rollers, all the tech, medicine and education. It's also we can make a bit more DNA. We aren't so different from any virus in that respect. People don't have children because they have the capacity to teach people how to feel joy or how to learn. They have children because they're selfish or because they think they should fulfill some role. They have them because they can, and so they do. I noticed my body start telling me to have children at 32 years old, even though I had no desire whatsoever to do so. It wasn't a rational thing, obviously. I was in no position to be bringing up children. It was a compulsion. I called it baby brain, a hormonal chemical response. I noticed it happen to other women and then see them looking foolishly pleased with themselves for collapsing under the weight of biological imperatives. It seemed to me that every mother thought she had undergone some distinctive and special event, even though UNICEF state that over 350,000 babies are born every day, around 250 per minute. So there's no shortage of infants, making it a truly broad sweep of uniqueness. To my mind, it's a biological trick. And while I know this to be true, it didn't stop me from wanting to be a mother. 
And what's more, I think I would have been a devoted and caring one. Finding an acceptable partner, however, that's a different minefield. Oh, finding a partner. The never-ending delight of searching for the one. That's tricky for all people. But Rose's ups and downs in the gladiatorial arena of dating are in the next episode of 213 Things About Me. Alongside the tribulations of trying to comprehend a diagnosis for Asperger's syndrome. I leave you with some of Rose's thoughts. 29. I greet everyone to avoid the distress of not saying hello to someone I know but don't recognise. 30. I can't stop fidgeting when in conversation with others. 31. I didn't have a single decent friendship in college and can barely stand being in contact with them on Facebook. 32. People often feel that I think I'm superior, though I have no such thoughts. 33. People often think that I am rude when I am, in fact, obsessed with being polite and friendly. 34. I do not fit in with any kind of formal or informal social groupings. 35. I have been perceived as a savant, unbearably socially inept and unable to understand responsibility or social games, gullible and malleable, but quite astute in very narrow, specific areas. 36. I get stuck in social situations for hours because I can't figure out how to excuse myself. Don't we all? The never-ending problem of how to say goodbye. Produced, written and narrated by Richard Butchins. The voice of Rose, performed by Rosa Hoskin. Patrick Nill edited and recorded this podcast. 213 Things About Me is a Think Different production. This podcast was commissioned by Disability Arts Online, a platform led by disabled people to advance disability arts and culture. If you have found this podcast interesting, please subscribe or comment. We can also be found on Twitter.